Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Salt Mine. It is now episode number seven, coming off of week number six of the NACL. Back to our regular uh, 36-game schedule. My name is Gordo. I am joined, as usual, by Nyarko and TDS. We are maintaining the three-man squad here, probably for the rest of the split at this rate. Uh, we'll see. Could always be some surprises, as there was with Cubby last week. But coming into this week, it is just going to be the same core group here. And we are going to open up after another fun week of NACL with our Player of the Week discussion. I'm going to let you guys start us off. Yeah, for me, I want to open up with a big congratulations to all the people that had stocks in Golden Guardians. I think that that is something we're going to be talking about a little bit more in depth later on, but I do want to focus in on them. I think that they're one of the two or three teams that I think deserve to be highlighted with one of their players here in this spot. But for me, I think that I'm probably going to go for Young there in the mid lane. Very impressive showing in all those games. I actually think their least impressive plays were up against FlyFam, but at this point, I am going to weigh games against provisional teams, especially provisional teams that are struggling as much as FlyFam, although they did get their second win this week, uh, probably as like a lower tier, less impactful as to my overall feeling as to how they perform, and elsewhere, I think that they were very, very impressive, instrumental in their one win against Digsea, and just very consistent throughout the whole week. Yeah, for sure. I definitely have to give big credit to Young for the LeBlanc game up against Dig C uh -huh. for sure. Um, you know, that game in particular really stands out to me as what kind of propels Golden Guardians for me back into the conversation for, you know, some of these real contender uh, challengers teams. Uh, they fall behind in both top and bot in the early game. You know, Spawn and uh, Diamond get the push in. XU sets up really nicely to get them ahead. Uh, and then I think Hoon even, I think it's a solo kill against Concept. If not, it's assisted by XU, but Hoon definitely gets ahead as well. Um, and when you're losing both side lanes, you know, that's a spot where a lot of teams in this league just end up crumbling. You just lose access to Dragons, you lose access to Rift Heralds, and there's just nothing you can do. Uh, but Rosethorn and Young, you know, they manage to play it through mid lane. They call up Prismal for some of those roams as well to start three manning on towards Insanity. They develop a big lead for Young, and, and they let Young carry it the rest of the way. So, especially for a rookie to this league, that's super impressive to me. Yeah, and Rose Thorn is actually my second in line for a nomination. I think that they also played fantastically in all these series. Insanely high KP and a really, really good record history on these um, facilitator-ish champions, I think is the best way to put that, the Sejuani and Naokai in particular, but I think that they've been kind of on the same game plan all season, and what I really like to see this time around was Young putting on the carry pants to a degree with a wide variety of assassins and mages, so that's why I want to focus on them a little bit more, but overall, I think that that core mid-jungle continuity has been a fantastic boon for Golden Guardians, and something I hope to see more of as we are pretty deep into the season now, but still seeing changes out of that team and i'm going to back back the young like the young player of the week it was my player of the week since start of like what while watching the games from ggc i think that if feels kind of similar to tlc in the same in, in the pen that uh, not in the pain of how they play but in how important how crucial it is for their mid laner to be doing good 
because even though I do think that the silence for GCC have been working a little bit better, I think particularly Concept has stepped it up in the sense that he doesn't feel like that big of a liability compared to where he was at the start of the season. I think that he's becoming a little bit more consistent in some of the games that they play. Like even death-wise, I think that he has gone a little bit down compared to where he, we started the season. So I think that the silence have stepped it out quite a bit. But Young has been consistently, to me, the best performing player on their team, doing a really good job at being the strong point, the focal point, and one of the main carries, if not the main carry for the team. I think between an array, you can argue who is the main carry, but he has been reading so fundamental. I think because the team is functioning well, you see when Young is just like able to get the free space and pop off like he was doing with the, Black, the LeBlanc game, which I particularly think he saved the game and he won the game. Because there were instances where they essentially threw and the Young's LeBlanc just saved the, the, some of the issues for GGC in that game. Is this the first time that we've had two people agree on a player of the week, making them a super player of the week? I feel. I think, didn't TDS and I agree on Eminus in week one? Yeah, probably. Oh, true. One of those. Yeah, something like that. I'm sure there's one or two in there uh, if we combed back through probably. all the episodes. Uh, I'm not going to make it the three-peat, though. <laughs> no, fair. Well, you know, maybe a collective agreement on a player means instant promotion to the LCS, given our track record is... <laughs> apparently vaguely correspondent with that dynamic yeah i thought young looked good in lcs to be honest i think he's he's on the short list for sure if he can keep this kind of form going and and i think it's also that one of the reasons why ggc started kind of of like weird because young was between lcs and academy but they didn't really have a lot of time to mesh together i think in that sense so when young just made the full stay in academy really just showed how important he was for ggc so I think that it really goes to show that even though he was able to perform in Academy, he in LCS, I think that he, because of the split time that he was throwing there, probably affected some of the performance that the overall team was facing. For sure. For sure. Uh, but as I said, I'm not going to go with Young this week. I am going to go for, and this feels like it's kind of splitting it between two players, but I think I have to give it to Winsome. Because Fly Ooh. Challengers, they get their full roster this week, and they look like a totally different beast. They had a fantastic series against 100 Thieves Challengers and a fantastic series against TL Challengers. Both teams, I think, that were looking pretty good. Uh, 100 Thieves coming in looking pretty good. Uh, have had a good couple of weeks in a row, especially with uh, since Unforgiven's hit his stride. TL Challengers, I was bad-mouthing last week, but I think all in all had a very good week this week uh, up until they hit the wall that is FlyQuest Challengers, and they just look absolutely excellent since Winsome's arrived. Uh, I do believe Masu also got local. He's no longer playing on ping, so Masu arrived oh. at the FlyQuest facility this week, um, and you can immediately see that in his play. He's like starting to pick Ezreal now. Uh, looks great on that pick. Has a couple of great games in there as well. Um, but I just feel like the, the macro game for this whole FlyQuest roster uh, just kind of switched up on a dime, especially in one of the games against 100 Thieves. They are behind and then get back in with a with a solid Baron call. Um, they just make good roams around the map, uh, and I feel the need to attribute a lot of that to Winsome. You know, he is the piece of the puzzle that wasn't here previously, and this whole team just seems to click the second he arrives. 
And I think that FlyQuest is definitely the other team to highlight for the week and also kind of runner-up in my set of nominations for Player of the Week. There's a lot of candidates coming in from that roster. And while I do have to highlight uh, Golden Guardians, I am not torn up whatsoever about hearing Winsome breaking up the unanimous decision to push for Golden Guardians uh, player. I think that, for me, Yuji is also in the discussion. Uh, the macro game from FlyQuest has been fantastic this past week, and I'm sure we'll get a little bit more into detail about that as we have a whole section dedicated to this team. But it kind of feels like they're playing Spurs basketball in the way. It's like aesthetically a very pleasing style of, of League of Legends that they're currently, I think, helming. And a lot of that comes down to very fluid rotations and a really, really good focus on pain points across the map. So for me, that's kind of why I wanted to highlight Yuji, being the jungler that is your job kind of in a nutshell, being brought to the rest of the team. But that could also just mean that these individual laners, these supports, these ADCs, they're all together kind of creating an environment where people are able to play off of Yuji and play off of Winsome in this case. So perhaps it is the case that they are the most deserving of the nomination. But yeah, overall, I think that these are really good picks. Yeah, and I mean, I'm willing to dive a little deeper into the fly rabbit hole here if we want to, yeah. because okay. like I, I, my pushback on that would be, um, you know, the macro play looks so much better this week, and I just, you know... Uh, Winsome's the obvious change there. You know, this is a squad that, building off of where they were at last year, right? They've kept the majority of their team. They kept the Philip, UG, Spyrax core. Uh, obviously, Philip moved up to FlyQuest main um, during the summer split, but those three had been together previously and were kind of their academy core coming into the 2022 season. And that roster. Uh, pretty explicitly ran through Diamond as the shot caller, who they let go of in this past offseason to move on over to Dignitas. Um, so that kind of leaves open this gap, right, for shot calling that I do get the sense that Winsome is filling in for, right? Um, I, re I recall some uh, interviews and discussions where they talked about Winsome's shot calling voice, both over on the FlyQuest main team and now on this challengers team uh and you know as i said in my spiel for him I, I think it looks like night and day since he showed up to this team Ooh. obviously uh seems to be a sizable upgrade over Keetong. you know i was giving Keetong a lot of credit for his performance um and i think he performed well enough that he's likely earned a spot on one of these 16 teams come next split uh but if not next year but you know winsome just appears to take this team to a whole nother level yeah, I feel like the main difference that I spot with like Ketong and Winsome is that it feels like Wins uh, Ketong was much more like push and pull in some instances or or on and off in some instances where it felt like he was doing really good things, but at the same time he kind of did really random things in some of the situations of the game, and the macro sense wasn't really being pulled by him. Like you can see, like you were pointing out, the difference between the macro that that FlyQuest uh, challengers were showcasing before and after Winsome is really like so different i was watching obviously because i i i do like a lot of the tlc games i try to see if there's improvement to try and put me back in where i believe in them but in, in some of the in some of the games or in the games where they played against tlc like the movements that flyquest challengers were doing were so smart that it, it not only denied the main factor that i think from tlc was important which is apa or apa but at the same time they were finding angles that were so smart to just 
give their win conditions even more value and the like. And I think a lot of that really what did come with the change of Winston. To the disdain of me, because I didn't have any belief in this team, like they are doing really, really good. And I think that now with their main roster, I, I, like if there's any more like upgrading or not upgrading, but like improvement in their performance this last week, I, I would be willing to say that they are candidates to, to, end up, to end up going for the victory at the end. Definitely agree there, but I do also want to say, and this was edging towards, you know, coming into Monday's games, I was very prepared uh, to have APA on my shortlist for Player of the Week, uh, I, you know, on the subject of TL Challengers and to, uh, to earn me some brownie points with TDS, the performance of APA this week was fantastic. I mean, I think he was a big standout player this week for the whole league, Um you know, he's got these unique picks that most yeah. folks aren't willing to play. The Ziggs draws bands, is very effective when they pick it. Uh, the team plays around it well. The Cassiopeia as well is the other one that he's really been willing to bring out a lot. And even the Ari, you know, it's not like it's uh, it's a major meta pick. It's not like it shows up draft in and draft out. Uh, but for APA, it's the kind of thing you need to consider there. Um, and even though TL Challengers drops three games this week, I think they have a very difficult schedule uh, and I think they kind of exceed my expectations on that. And a lot of that's through APA. I mean, I think he performs very well against EG Challengers, of course, is very critical in that 2-0, uh, is very critical in their win over Dig Challengers, which, you know, even yeah. though there's a slight roster change, I still don't think you can write off a win against Dig Challengers. I think that's a big accomplishment for any team in this league, um, except for maybe C9. And even in their losses, you know, his Ari game, when they lose to Dig Challengers, he's the only person doing anything in that game. Like, he is diving the back line, he is getting picks on spawn solo, even while his team is losing the game, and they're just so far behind that it doesn't matter. Like, that game, the the game, the Ari game, to me, really showed what I have, or what I see in TLC, in the sense that, for better or for worse, it's APA trying to make the plays happen to carry the team out. And it was shown as well in the Kasapia, like, they give the resources to him, he has the damage to be able to to deal with them. The Ari is another way to try and carry the team, not in the sense that he will deal the damage, but he was trying to find those picks and trying to get through the back of the team so that they can have a little bit more space. But, like, and it's going to be such a consistent issue, at least in my eyes, because I, I, I think it was Kobe that said it last week, right? It's such a bottling heavy meta that if the bottling isn't having like a, a really big impact right now and the top lane is not necessarily finding a lot of value as well, then you don't have a lot of chances to try and make your like your team shine through. And APA is really trying to shine through. I think that it, for better or for worse, he goes a little bit too far sometimes, but if he doesn't go for those plays, it, like the team doesn't really find any angles to try and carry it through. Yeah, and it, by the way, he does it again in their first game against TL Challengers when he's on the Akali. You know, he's, again, the only person doing anything in that game. And, yeah, as you say, he's they're, they're, in some of these games, they are not getting a lot of opportunities to make anything happen. Uh, but APA makes those opportunities happen. I've uh, my, my stocks on APA have grown several sizes this week. Uh, and I'm very excited to see as this team starts to amp up for playoffs. You know, Cubby called it out last week, right? This is... Uh, a team that a lot of folks expect to get better in best of fives. They're very well coached. They prep very well for these playoffs. Uh, the TL Academy system has a long history of middling regular seasons with deep runs in the playoffs. Uh, 
I think this team has what it takes if they can, uh, if Bradley can like return to some of his previous form, and if APA can maintain this form, then I think you know they could very easily launch themselves into one of the more dangerous solo lane duos in the league. I think there's a actually like thinking about it because talking about those teams that are looking like they are prepping or pumping up themselves, like just to touch on another one that I kind of want to talk a little bit more. 100C, I, I think it's it's one of those teams that feels like, yes, they may have lost a couple of series here and there, but they're really just looking like they are going up in some of the sense. Like I think Sniper is one of the players that I, I feel like has been looking better and better with uh, with the passing of the weeks. Obviously, Unforgiven has shown that he probably is the best AD carry in the league so far. Like, I think skill-wise, he really just looks so over a lot of the already carries. And this team feels like it's meshing well enough now that come playoffs, I would also say, like, they are coming to the expectations that we had initially in the season. Because I think everyone had them second, if I'm not wrong, on their on our tier list. So I, I feel like they are slowly coming together in the sense that I feel like they are going to be a really, really dangerous team. And I'm really liking uh, what Sniper has been doing recently. Definitely, if you count recently as uh, the game against Wildcard, right? The games against Wildcard, Sniper just pops off on the Olaf and, and certainly had a, a very flashy performance there up against Moose Hater, who has been a pretty solid rock throughout most of the split. I don't know what it is about this 100 Challengers roster, though. It just, I agree, you know, Sniper looks fantastic in a lot of lanes. You know, he gets a lot of, uh, he comes out of a lot of lanes, I think, looking very good. Um, I think Yukino continues to impress me. I think Unforgiven's one of the better AD carries in the league. And I think Prince and Destiny, or, or not Prince, uh, Pretty and Destiny, <laughs> wrong yeah. PR player. Uh, Pretty and Destiny, I think, are everything that was promised. And yet, for some reason, this team is just not the best team in the league, right? Like, you would think with all of those opinions coming together and holding true that this team would be much better than 17-9, and nine, but they're 17 and nine. So I, I don't know. I just can't quite place my finger on it. Uh, curious to hear your guys' thoughts. I don't know why this 100 Thieves Challengers team doesn't feel like it's coming together to me. It really is a weird position to be in because I'm kind of with you on that, Gordo. Like, even now, if I were to redo my power rankings, sure, things would shift around. But when I look at the individual players on Challengers and I look at their performance throughout the season so far, I still would put them higher than their record is to be believed. I'm not really sure what the deal is, but I think that I got a little bit more clarity on the situation from the Fly Challengers series where they got 2-0'd. It feels as if they're a team that have internalized a lot of concepts about playing from behind in terms of they go safe, they look for scaling, they look for individual picks, but they oftentimes are just kind of dropping games if they lose tempo early off the back of not having a way to get leverage for big comebacks in a game. And so they slowly get bled out over time. When they do get ahead early, when they do have very stable lanes, they're able to play off of their star power and their surprising amount of coordination, I think, to take some really, really impressive victories. You look at their games against Wildcard, you just see utter lane domination on all fronts. I think that that was a series where, in particular, Unforgiven and Destiny were just a fantastic duo. But I think that it really does come down to what happens when they play from behind and the volatility of League of Legends, particularly at the NACL level, I think means that there's a lot of situations where you do have to play from behind, even if you are an elite team. It sounds like like they are the quintessential LCS team. Like 
they they go for compositions that theoretically should work out even if they go longer like they don't feel that practically risky in a lot of senses as well and if a team knows how to bleed you out they will bleed you out and 100 thieves will give them the chance to 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 get bled out because they don't respond as aggressively as all other teams which i think it's one of the different it's one of the reasons why i think this probably this team could probably work in lcs but i think in challengers they 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 can they will struggle because team in challengers are much more crazy if i put it in a way than lcs teams and I do think that this is a team that will perform better in best of fives and best of three scenarios because they have that air of sensibility about them, especially when they're in desperate situations. But honestly, at the same time, TDS, I love the fact that at ACL teams are going to play crazy. That's what I come to this <laughs> league for. And I actually think that one of the big complaints that we've had about some of these provisional teams is that they don't play crazy enough. They don't actually try to take risks whatsoever. And this just leads to a lot of non-games for them that are kind of locked in as losses from minute one. In particular, this is a complaint that I have about CLG Faith, but I will only name drop them once because otherwise I don't think there's a whole lot notable to say about that team this week. Officially the sole holders of last place, by the way, True. with that FlyFam win this week. I'm very sorry, Nyarko and any other CLG Faith believers out there. But I do think that's a good point the about volatility, two. for sure. Uh, you know, I think Dig Challengers and C9 Challengers, they've been some of the most aggressive teams in the league and some of the most successful teams in the league uh, at the same time. And I also think that I agree that, you know, 100 Thieves Challengers, maybe we aren't giving the respect they deserve coming into these best of threes and best of fives, because it feels like what's really dragging down their record here is uh, that they are dropping games to middle-of-the-pack teams that uh, maybe some of these other top tier teams wouldn't drop games to so they dropped games to aoe they've dropped games to eg uh and they dropped a game to immortals as well um and you know if you just take those three games who are all teams that i think we would unanimously put as lower than 100 thieves on the totem pole if you take away those three losses then 100 thieves is now tied with dignitas at second uh they, that would put them at 20 and 6 so maybe it really is just those few couple of games that are that are swinging things here at the same time, we're at a point in the NACL season, Gordo, where things like FlyQuest Challengers are middle-of-the-pack teams, but there's honestly so many narrative turnarounds and whatnot that makes it difficult to look at these standings and say, yeah, this is a good read on the metagame. Well, not the in-League of Legends metagame, but the inter-team metagame moving on into playoffs. So that's something I really want to keep an eye out for. I wonder if 100 Thieves Challengers are, in fact, dropping the games to the teams that are really going to rally. Immortals, probably not going to be the one that rallies, especially given their drop to fly fam. But some of these other teams right there, CLG Challengers, I think, honestly, looks relatively solid as well. There's a lot of things to play off of going deeper on in, and that's one of the reasons why NACL has really taken my full attention in past weeks. For sure. That and the podcast obligation. Uh, yes yes but... yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right well that was a great in-depth discussion got a little off the rails for player of the week but that's good like chatting about these teams let's talk a little bit about our uh our sister league here the lcs proper uh and um, <laughs> they're equals they're not a uh, uh, definitely not a major minor league situation but 
talking about the big leagues, talking about LCS, we got some new promotions to LCS this week. Let's take step-by-step step on our LCS-related points. Uh, Tomo and Balulu both moving up. Tomo, we've gotten to see a little bit of in LCS. He got his promotion last week, unfortunately announced after we recorded our episode because, uh, you know, Dignitas is pretty slow on those announcements every single split. Uh, calling him out here. Uh, but what do we think of Tomo? How, how did uh, how did Tomo do this week? Well, first of all, I think the, the expected teams did some of the expected changes, right? Like, nothing out of the ordinary. They didn't bench Jensen. They braided 80 carries, which I think it was a more sensible thing. And overall, I think Tomo did perform better in the sense that I thought that he wasn't going to die randomly in lane. Like, I think Spawn has been. Like, Spawn always feels like it's with a, like, deficit coming off of lane phase. Now, not necessarily always his fault. I think that a lot of that falls into the team. But in instances where the team didn't have, like, an issue early on, it was with a deficit compared to Tomo. Like, I think Tomo was pretty consistent in that regard. And I think he performed well overall. Like, he uh, putting damage really well, playing really... Not necessarily forward, but he wasn't that afraid of trying to walk forward to try and get damage done. And I think that's a positive sign for Dignitas. Obviously, he got the first victory, so you have to say that a positive change did happen there. But I don't think it was necessarily just the change to, with Tomo. Like, I think other things did come through. So I'm not, like, I, I don't think Tomo was necessarily the biggest upgrade compared to Spawn, but he certainly did feel a little bit more, like, safer in that sense. So... My armchair GM take on this Dignitas move, right, is I just don't understand what the vision and goal is here from moving up just Tomo. Uh, like, if, if, I'm, if I'm in charge of Dignitas, right, my thought would be move up the whole academy team, because you've got the best academy team, move down the whole LCS team, and then... You know, you get a round robin with your academy team. It does not matter how many games you win because you are 0-9 and nine, and you're not going to rattle off an 8-1 second round robin to make playoffs. It's not going to happen. You still only have six teams in playoffs for spring, so you need to be like 8-10 or better to make it. And especially with how close like the 6th, 7th, 8th spot is with TL and TSM and CLG all doing... Uh, all looking way better than you, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to rattle off the 8-1 second-round Robin with Tomo in the team and make playoffs. There's zero chance of that occurring. With that in mind, you know, who cares what happens in this second-round Robin? I would say give the whole Academy team a shot. And then you also get, uh, you know, you get additional rounds of Academy play. You know, you get to play the best of twos now and then the best of two playoffs with your main roster. See how that goes see you know who's totally checked out from the zero nine and who's still actually looking like they can perform and then take all of that knowledge that you gain from seeing you know players like insanity and xu back in the lcs who haven't been in the lcs in a while and definitely not in a situation like this uh and build yourself a competitive team for summer from that knowledge that you gain i i don't know i'm i'm pretty out on like separating tomo and diamond here after they've been playing very effectively together all split like at least bring them up as a duo or something to get a real fair test here i feel like tomo is gonna is getting put in such a bad situation that there's just no way that dignitas 
gains anything meaningful from this change. Well, I think that the argument here could be that they are thinking of summer, but they are thinking of changing the bottling. Like, and I mean, like taking apart both Spawn and Biofrost, but not with Diamond. They want another support. They are testing out if Tomo would be a fit for the normal team, and then they bring another support in, like completely apart, different from Diamond. And I could see that being their argument as well. Like, test it out here with Tomo, see how he meshes with the rest of the team, and then you're bringing another support completely apart from both of them, which I don't think it's necessarily that bad in, in idea. But I also don't think that your biggest problem is going to be bottling, if I'm honest. So I would look into other spaces as well. In a purely abstract sense, there's a good argument for very dramatic shifts with Dignitas at the LCS level right now. And I'll come clean. I don't watch LCS all that frequently. I keep up to date with the records of teams, but I don't really get to see how they perform with boots on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. So I have no reading as to what would happen in Gordo's sense, where you have a full transition and swap between the Academy roster or the challengers roster and the mainline roster, how those teams would fare in each other's shoes. But while I believe that there's a lot of interesting dynamics and really, really good developmental groundwork that could be laid in that kind of dramatic move, Gordo, it's something that's a little bit harder to warrant to a venture capitalist bro or something like that in terms of what is best for the long-term health of the team. There's clearly going to be a dramatic adjustment necessary in terms of the mental game for both the Dignitas mainline roster who is struggling in terms of wins and losses. And we've already seen what that kind of does to organizations over the course of an entire season. And Dig C being in, being poised to take the NACL being put into an uncomfortable scenario where they clearly could even underperform versus the mainline Dig roster right now. I think that's clearly a possibility unless you guys have a rebuttal to that from just seeing how these teams play. Makes me kind of worry about the possibility for something that big to happen and therefore there's a very unenviable position that Dig is in as a whole. But right now, there's also the calculus of, hey, maybe we get something back. Maybe there's brownie points in just winning the NACL, and that'll help us in the long run. Yeah, that's fair. And to be fair, if this were any other organization, I would just say you shouldn't care about winning NACL. You should care about your LCS team being better because uh, that's where all the eyes are. That's where you really make your franchise money. If anything, the NACL is probably a uh, like a lost leader for you. You know, you're there to build up talent for your LCS team where the real uh, popularity and, uh, you know, value is to be gained. Uh, and the NACL is just a means to an end from that perspective. With that said, Dignitas is, I guess, the one org that doesn't believe that because they built their challengers team to win NACL and they want to win NACL. So maybe that factors into it a bit as well. Um, let's talk about Balulu a bit. Uh, Balulu... Just announced as a promotion here for Immortals. Uh, a Blaze Olive going to be stepping away from competitive for a while per the announcement. So let's start by chatting about Balulu. What do you think of his season so far? What do you think about him moving up to Immortals? Uh, pretty, I think we would say predictable, to say the least. Like, you did call it here, and I was 100% uh, with you in that. 
I don't think I said it, but I was 100% uh, with that in you, with, with you on that, because I do think that he was looking really, really good in Academy and I think in Challengers, and I think that he was going to be one of the pieces that uh, that Immortals could look into. And I think that for the record, for what they need, uh, adding Balu is not a bad choice. Like he can still salvage some of the season. They're I don't think they are going to, or the, or the split, I don't think they are going to get to that 6th or 5th spot. But they are going to be a team that at least I can see fighting it out, especially with Bululu. And I feel like this was the right choice. I will say though, I feel kind of bad for a place. And if something outside of the game was affecting his performance, then it's kind of understandable now why he wasn't really performing up to what we may have seen a little bit like last year or the year before that. Guys, Balulu lost to FlyFam this week. Eh, you know, you lose a game to FlyFam sometimes. It's not... <laughs> it, it, sometimes. Immortals Challengers, who is not, which is not a good team, lost to FlyFam this week. Balulu was there. But he is only twenty percent of that roster, and that was not that was not a blaze hard carry. Let's be honest with ourselves here. Yeah, that is true. I do think that Balulu is one of the better players on the Immortals roster. And once again, I am talking about this relatively blind, especially compared to you guys who are more enfranchised with the LCS as a whole. So maybe this transition will go smoother than I expect it to, but. I don't believe that Balulu is suddenly going to strike at the heart of some of the premier mid laners in the LCS. I don't think that they're on the MNS level even. So from there, I don't know how they're going to perform. I think that if we're going to go back to this optics discussion that we also had surrounding Dignitas, there's a worry that I have that Balulu's numbers are going to tank just because they're up against a much higher caliber of competition in the LCS. And from then, you see immortals in kind of an awkward spot with what exactly they're going to do regarding bringing in a new mid laner as well to the challengers roster so that's a dynamic i want to keep my eye out for but i'm not going to read too much more into the situation just because of lack of context on my end yeah no i do agree that you know this is not like a you know Balulu's not a world beater right he's gonna probably roll up and be mid to low tier in lcs um, I think this makes a little bit more sense from an Immortals perspective, though. Um, when Immortals is a team where I think a Blaze Olive was kind of a clear weakness, I think Revenge has been having a pretty good split. Um, I still believe in Kenvi to some degree. I think he shows some promise, and I think Fleshy looks quite good as well. Um, tactical, I think, has to be watching his back for Wixie a little bit. But the rest of the team, I think, has performed pretty well. They've gotten a couple of wins in LCS already. And this is a team where I could see, you know, a good performance from Balulu could push them into, you know, contending for maybe an outside playoff spot. You know, maybe you end up better than, like, your CLGs and your Team Liquids, your teams that are underperforming. And this that could realistically kind of push them up to that next level. I will say, in a sp- in a in a week where PR bullshit is uh, hot on everyone's tongues, uh, oh boy, what what a what a glorious coincidence that uh, the worst performing player on Immortals main team, who is backed up by the best performing player on Immortals Challengers team, just happens to take a voluntary break 
uh, right after the first round robin ends and everybody starts making substitutions. Uh, you know, just love that for them. Good job, guys. It was the like the easy way to get good points. I feel like so. Hey, all power to them. At least there's no bad, not not bad faith. There's no bad blood. It feels like at, at least from the outside compared to other things. Yeah, I'll I'll just say I think. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't think there's bad blood, right? I think it's probably, yeah. ABO is probably told he's being benched and just decided he didn't want to play challengers. That's my that's my internal belief here. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but uh, I don't know, it just feels that way. It feels like we've been calling this change on this show since like week two, um, and now it just happens to be a voluntary decision from a Blaze Olive. I don't know, I'm a little skeptical. Yeah, which is for, for, from every part, like the team, can take this decision because the team is the one that puts like the, the team oh, yeah. has the right to do this and the player can say also i don't want to play this so i feel like the best for all is that we just give it uh, give our space and that's it like i think it works out for everyone so for sure that's why i don't think there was bad blood like i feel like more than more so than ablazely voluntarily taking himself out i feel like it's more so the team at being okay with giving him the space to take this decision which i think it's good as well like the decision after being taken off the team, by the way. Like, I think that's fair in all, in all instances. And for Immortals, I think it was the logical uh, the logical transition. Not necessarily because, like, there's no, like, better changes that they can go for. I, I feel like probably there was. But it's also the easiest transition that they can go for at the time of the, of the change. And the one that will, like, take less of a hit on their organization. They don't have to spend anything more because they already have a Lulu. So it's easy to just bring him up. And then whoever ends up taking the spot in their Immortals Challengers doesn't have to be that pricey either. So not a bad decision in my eyes. And then I think that overall, and I think it was where that was saying it, as long as you're sixth, like, you already did an amazing job at this with this Immortals team. If you get sixth and a place in playoffs, I feel like Belulu outperformed what I was expecting from him because I don't think they are going to reach playoffs. I think they will get an opportunity, but I don't think it's going to happen. And similar to the Tomo idea, this could be just setting up for some more changes coming into the the summer season where it's more important to try and secure the world's playoffs. Like you try and get Belulu accustomed, you get try and get Belulu more into the team dynamic and anything like that, players that you want to keep. And then you try and get the changes going in case you want to replace something else. Overall, I feel like that should be the idea. And probably will work out, probably don't. I don't really care about Immortals, so it's not like I'm going to be sad if they don't perform well enough. But it's fun to see these sort of changes. And now the question is, who gets the spot in, in IMT Challengers, right? Yeah, and I, and I will say, by the way, I think it makes a lot of sense for ABO uh, to not play Challengers, um, whether it's for personal reasons uh that have been impacting his play or even just you know making the call that like hey i'm i'm having a real bad split for whatever reason uh and should probably just step away right now um you know he didn't look great in challengers when he subbed in earlier this split and i think he did look very good subbing into academy on golden guardians last split you know very small sample sizes for both but i think it's pretty clear that like something's going on this split and he's just not he just does not appear to have it right now exactly i feel like you could even make the argument that if he goes to challengers right now maybe with the level of performance like his stocks may go below so yeah i think that the best approach is just not do anything let people still think that uh, or still get a have an idea of your level 
and you don't try to ruin it in any way, in any other way, because that may end up being worse for your career. So I feel like that's a smart approach as well. Yeah, I agree. You know, just take a break, come back, play NACL in summer or play NACL uh, in 2024 even. Yeah. And, and, you know, that spot will still be there for you as long as you don't go down to NACL and perhaps look worse. Um, Cause he looked rough at this level earlier this split uh, and clearly has got something going on for the time being. He does not look like even as good as he looked in 2022, where I thought he looked worse than he did in 2021. So he could definitely look better um, than what he's showing right now. And I hope he gets back there. Uh, you called it out, though, TDS. Interesting conversation to have here. Who will Immortals Challengers get for mid? Because this announcement makes it pretty clear that he's stepping away from competitive for the rest of at least spring. That opens up a roster spot here in the NACL. I know we all watch qualifiers a bit. Any uh, Anyone have any specific candidates they think uh, are going to be going to Immortals Challengers? For me, I think it's going to be either Robbie Bob or Messages. Uh, but I want to hear your guys' thoughts. I don't know. Who's the new mid laner for Team Ambition right now? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the easy approach, right? But I was actually like trying to look at the teams that like were competing and it seems like there's a couple of teams that have uh, free agents. Like, for example, Team Fish Taco, comp is open. Like, mm -hmm. no, no, he's not affiliated to any team right now. Looking at some of the NACL teams, I do think Robbie Bob probably one of the ones that I would look out for. But comp also being open makes sense to me. I would also think about Sotsi from Doji and Tony Top, which I think wasn't, uh, wasn't a bad performer. And then obviously messages as well. But the ones that are open are the one are probably the ones that are going to be more attacked, to put it like that, because it's easier to get them, and you don't have to play like you just need to be the player. Uh, that's it. You don't need to do anything more. Yeah, that, I mean that's why I'm big on Robbie Bob, right? Robbie Bob was going to play for UST University of Saint Trevor, yep. not a real university, by the way. Um, meme team name. Uh, Robbie Bob was going to play there after leaving EG Challengers and that team split up in between OQs 1 and 2 um, which should leave Robbie Bob wide available uh, and he also played most of this NACL split so he's kind of accustomed to the level I think he's like number one on the list for me um, I think Messages is the future like I think he's the most promising NA mid lane prospect available right now uh, outside of NACL um yeah, I, I, it's pretty uncontested for me that Messages is, like, in a tier of his own. Um, beyond that, yeah, I think Sudsy's a decent choice. I think Yunbi could be on people's radars as well, just as somebody with Academy experience. Um, then my last point would be it's Immortals Challengers. We've seen them just pluck dudes out of uh, solo queue before, like Vital. Uh, if they just pluck a dude out of solo queue and we've never heard of him before... That would also be on brand. Be way too hilarious. I hope they pull up something like that. <laughs> it's it's going to be some name that we've never heard of. Uh, and then they're going to look better than we expect. And then Immortals is still going to drop them. That's the that's the Immortals Challengers classic, baby. So I'm here for it. Build them up to break them down later. <laughs> Justice for Vital, man. What happened? Fight. he's not even playing in qualifiers now it's the weirdest weirdest arc weirdest career maybe it's his whole career i don't know maybe he comes back eventually and he there's more chapters to this story 
I mean, I know I called it out in episode one. Like, what? What the? What? What is going on? Like, Vital rolls up. He's this no name straight from solo queue. He plays a split on Immortals Academy. He looks better than expected. He gets dropped, and he's just gone again. Like, that's it. That's the Vital story. You could argue they were going to immortalize him as that one split player that came and went. But he wasn't that good. <laughs> <laughs> he appeared once and gone out. Gordo, this is just adding to the need for you to make a John Boy's Bob Emergency style video on people with numbers substituting for letters in their name. Vital, it's just one of those interesting stories out there in the world. You could he make is. something poignant out of it. Yeah, absolutely. That's there's got to be a there's a deeper meaning in here somewhere i was gonna say maybe we see him next year in vitality since they are changing players left and right who knows Ooh, true getting <laughs> getting over to Europe. he's not expensive enough to get on vitality but no, he could true. get there he could get there um wow all right well already pretty lengthy on our first couple of topics here so let's let's skip ahead and let's talk about gearing up for the final week so for anybody who hasn't been keeping track and has been getting themselves carried away here uh we got one more week of nacl regular season and then it's time to get into that big old double elimination bracket uh that's gonna decide who wins and who gets relegated um three games separate ninth place from third place there is a thick middle ground that contains golden guardians 100 thieves Cincinnati Fear, TL Challengers, Wildcard, CLG Challengers, and FlyQuest Challengers. Their schedules in these upcoming weeks could really influence what kind of seed they take away. I mean, the difference between being third and ninth is is pretty crazy. Um, yep. What what are we what are we looking at for this upcoming week? Who who do we have our eyes on? I am watching both provisional teams, like both AOE, uh, sorry, Wildcard and Fear, because their weeks are not easy. Like I was watching like their calendars. Fear has 100C and, G and CLGC, which you could argue CLGC is a little bit worse than Wildcard, but, but then Fear, but at the same time, like though, that is a matchup that Im immediately impacts you. So you need to get the best results possible in those two. And 100C, I think, ha with the improvement that they have shown, are going to be such a tough matchup as well for them. And then when you look at the wild card, they have TLC and then GGC, a team that has a really good like players that can show up when they need it, particularly APA. And then you have GGC that has been on the rise as well. So it, it's looking like such an interesting week for those provisional uh, teams, like particularly the ones that are doing good, the the the, the teams that are carrying the flair of the provisional teams and the NA amateur scene doing good. And I hope that they are able to perform there because like you're pointing out, they need to get that higher seed because you don't want to go against the good, good teams so early on. Particularly uh, DXC, I feel more so DXC than C9C because I think C9C with Diplex is not as scary as DXC in AVO5. So to just kind of build off of the provisional watch that TDS is starting us on because it's also my favorite part of the league is watching these provisional teams. I think that as it currently stands, Fear's trending up, Wildcard is trending down, and a lot of it's mm -hmm. coming down to the fact that finally people have learned to ban Boost Haters Garen, and he's not looking too hot because of it, not gonna lie. Um, it could just be that these particular matchups were difficult for Wildcard to overcome as a hold in this past week, but they have 
tough competition going forward. Teams that I think are on the up and up. TL coming back in a big way. Golden Guardians as well. We highlighted them this week. Meanwhile, you look at what Fear is up against. 100 Thieves, they've been off and on. I think that they clearly have the chops to take some big plays and maybe even 2-0 Fear. But they have a lower likelihood of doing so, at least in my eyes, versus wildcard getting 2-0'd by either TLC or GGC. And then CLG, I think fear is just better than right now and barring some kind of upset i don't see them dropping a huge amount of these final week games meaning that they will be the king of the provisionals at least in my eyes yeah i i actually agree there i think fear has a good shot up against clg challengers and even a good shot up against 100 thieves challengers because of the caliber of play they've just shown us these last couple of weeks i mean they were able to uh, take a game off Cloud9 Challengers uh, just this past week. They 2-0'd Wildcard. Uh, they 2-0'd Fly Challengers uh, back in Week 5, right before those guys decided to ascend. And I think that's a really good sign for them coming into this next week. I also think Wildcard have probably one of the tougher schedules. They have to play Golden Guardians Challengers and TL Challengers, both teams that I see is on the upswing. I know the record doesn't really show it for TL, Um but I actually think, you know, for a team that has had all of the tough competition backloaded, I think their actual, one of their best showings was actually just this past week, even though they only went 3-3. Three and three. Another team that uh, I really do have my eyes on is FlyQuest Challengers. I mean, I think this is a team, and you know, obviously it depends on how the rest of the schedule shakes out, but, you know, they are 15-11 and 11 right now. And they play, I would say, a pretty easy weekend uh, compared to some of the others of Golden Guardians Challengers and Immortals Challengers. I think it's pretty easy for them to 4-0 that, given what they showed this past week. And that can pretty easily put you top five based on how the other series this week shake out. So I've, I've got my mark on Fly Challengers. I bet they my call of the week is that they end up top five. I feel like it's a fair one. Like even three, even just getting getting a three one, right? Like one one with GGC and then two O puts them in a really really good spot. Especially because like it's especially because the other matchups like are directly impacting that like overall scoreboard because everyone is facing teams that they are going to like take uh, positions off of each other. You, like I think EGC is going to flounder a little bit. I think that this week is going to be really important for them. For example, like putting into con into context another uh, other couple of teams, and CLGC as well is not going to have an easy week. So like they can pull teams down below that probably weren't expecting. I can see them being top five as well. I think TLC for example is also going to be another team that will have a little bit of a tough time that, because of the teams that they are going to be facing. So I, I honestly think that FlyQuest should end up being a top five team by the end of the week. Uh, I, if I call the top five right now, I think it's pretty much the top two. That is Cloud9, Digni, and Dignitas. I think Golden Guardian stays there, and I think it's going to be FlyQuest and possibly, I think Fear the other top five. Like I think they pull a hundred thieves down from top five. It's hmm. a fun call. I like that. We'll also say, you know, our our bottom seven are like hard locked by the way it's like uh because in between fly challengers at ninth and immortals challengers at 10th there's a four game gap uh as far as number yep. of wins yeah, immortals does have a super week to close things out 
Um, but you know, if they don't do something crazy like rattle off a six zero with their brand new mid laner that they yeah. have played no practice with, uh, I'm pretty sure those bottom seven are hard locked. But Gordo, what happens to your uh, Balulu socks if that does in fact come to pass? Imagine we're gonna have such a fun time next they, week. They sub in. You know, I think my call is still Robbie Bob. They sub in Robbie Bob and uh, Robbie Bob from the worse Evil Geniuses Challengers team somehow takes Immortals Challengers to the next level. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm not calling it. Maybe if it was messages. Maybe if it was messages, they would be able to take that next step up. Well, actually, uh, IMT goes against EG. So <laughs> imagine if it is actually Robbie Bob. <laughs> He just he dunks on Ryoma. That would be a fun storyline. I don't think it would happen, but it would be a fun storyline. I'm still... My Ryoma stocks are still pretty high, man. Like, I think... You know, he lost to APA this week, but I think that's from APA playing super well. I think that, that speaks more to how well APA did than how well Ryoma did. Um, I, I You know, in my, in my eyes, Ryoma's still playing really well. Maybe I'm just... Uh, my perspective is tainted because i was high on him in the first place but i feel like he has still uh been looking pretty good well i kind of think that everyone was kind of high on egc which let's me think do we think that egc is going to crash and burn in playoffs like do i just king think... ever like it's the whole season now man king has literally missed the entire season yeah and funnily enough, I think uh, it, it's. I'm trying to think of the AD carry, sorry if, if I'm blanking on the name. Um, mobility? Mm, mobility. I think Mobility has been one of their better players, all in all. I agree. Like, he has been a really consistent AD carry. And for how the season has been going and how it started, like, I would be, I would be willing to say, even if King doesn't get here, uh, it's not going to be the problem that keeps AGC from improving or being a better team. But I think they have issues in other places, and I feel like playoffs may turn out to be disastrous for them. I, I'm really not sure what is happening with AGC to be so, like, weird in how they take certain approaches and how they play certain things. And Ryoma hasn't been bad. I think Shaden is such an, an on-and-off player. So I'm not sure what to say to you. I, I've been so sad about watching Soul. And Smoothie also feels like it has been so weird, this whole split. So it just, like, I don't know what to say about DGC. I had so much hope for them, and it just feels like it's crashing so sadly, or becoming so sad to see. I do think they're a little better than their record reflects. Like, if I were to power rank the teams, I probably have them above aoe tsm and immortals uh and they are below those three teams in the standings right now yeah um that said they're probably 10th right i don't think i have them above you know who would be ninth wild card clg one of those teams right now because like re the true ninth place holders at the moment are flyquest challengers but if i were to power rank these teams fly would be higher than ninth um ninth yeah. probably ends up being you know, like a wild card or a or a CLG, uh, and that would put, I, I think EG would probably pretty firmly end up in 10th, which is, you know, that's actually pretty bad for, for them, all things considered. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's bottom three challengers teams. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's been a rough split for EG. I, I, I want to give them a pass for not having King, but as you said, it's like, it's not like mobility is the problem, right? Um but maybe it's just the roster changes. 
have really been hitting them. Um, also really feels like after that one crazy pop-off week where I gave Shaden player of the week, which would have been like week two, I think, uh, Shaden's been very quiet for the rest of the season since then. Um, obviously he draws a lot of bans on carry junglers now because he showed everybody how much he can do, but I don't know, just feels like they haven't been able to replicate that very effectively since Robbie Bob joined the team. Uh, and they've been almost without an identity now. Like, they spent so much... And maybe that's literally what happened, right? They spent so much time scrimming these, like, Galio, Lissandra mid-comps um, with, like, Viego and Kindred and stuff for Shaden, and now Robbie ba or and now Ryoma's here and plays more traditional stuff. Um, not that Ryoma doesn't have a Galio. Ryoma definitely has a Galio, but... It's just not the style that they're maybe that their coaching staff wants them for them. Um, yeah, I don't know. Hard to tell. They did also just swap coaches. They just promoted Ido to head coach uh, and dropped who they had like some guy that I had never heard of as the coach for a while. Right? Yeah, they had me a lot as well. Ga Galul Galul was their coach, who is a Tunisian British coach that was in na amateur for a while and in eu for a long time before that um yeah i don't know i didn't see anything about this guy before the season um he was head coach from the beginning of the split until february 23rd at which point he was dropped to promote ido so maybe that'll help them out too yeah, could be. I ha I had my hope, much more hopes for EGC, so I wish that they can turn it around and we see more of them in playoffs. My fear is that they just explode in playoffs miserably, and that could affect a lot of the players. So I hope it doesn't happen. For sure, that's a fair fear. We will uh, see how it goes as we start to get into the postseason. Um, that's probably gonna do it for this week. I mean, that was a good hour. Uh, Time yep. flew by, but, but yeah, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Uh, this has been The Salt Mine. We'll be back next week uh, talking about what the playoffs are going to look like, uh, getting some big plans oh, in oh. place for those uh, for that bracket stage, and we'll be back then. Also, catch Gordo and I this weekend. Oh, yes, thank you. Yes, that is also yeah. true. TDNS, TDS and I will be on the Team Ambition stream for NACLQ number two this weekend. Nyarko, you will be on the Maryville stream. Am I correct? On I'll that? be on the Maryville stream. Bonfire is most likely going to be on the Contingent stream. So make sure to check out, you know, all of our all the hosts. We'll probably yeah. keep y'all up to date via Twitter if we have any more developments with some of our other hosts in the far flung wilds of the internet right now. Um, but yeah, it's going to be a fun time. These qualifiers were pretty fun to watch. I think uh, I kind of wish we had some time to wrap up, talk about the uh, Maryville versus doing Tony top series, but you know, alas, another time for sure. For sure. And we'll definitely come in when we start talking about promotions. So we will see you guys there. We'll definitely see Maryville there. We'll see what other three teams join them. Until then, have yourselves a nice week, and we will see you next time.